Welcome to the Gaggle Podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a national reporter at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. This week, we have a very special guest. Republicans are casting him as a California billionaire boogeyman who's trying to increase your utility bills while advocating for the impeachment of President Donald Trump. In this episode, Democratic mega donor Tom Steyer joins the gaggle to talk about his political activities in Arizona this election cycle. Hi, this is Tom Steyer, and I am the founder of Next Gen America, which I believe with our partners is the largest grassroots organization in the United States. But are you a boogeyman? I, my children are between the ages of 24 and 30, and I think we've moved on, as I believe have all the other Americans. Also joining me this week are... My title is not nearly as impressive. I'm just a reporter, Richard Rellis at The Republic here. And I'm reporter Ryan Randazzo. Um, I'm reporter Rachel Langang, primarily cover higher education. Tom, you are spending a lot of time and money here in Arizona. You are funding a multi-million dollar effort to register new voters, particularly young voters, through your organization, Next Gen Rising. If enough new voters are registered and actually turn out in November, that could have lasting effects in Arizona down the road. It could help Democrats win a U.S. Senate seat for the first time in 30 years, and it could help them win any number of down-ballot races from governor to state legislative seats. It could also lead to the passage of the ballot initiative known as Clean Energy for a Healthy Arizona. We don't know yet if that ballot measure will make it on the ballot because of a legal fight waged by utility company APS. The measure would require utility companies to obtain half of their energy from renewable solar and wind by 2030. We'll get to that. But first, Arizona is becoming increasingly important on the national stage. And that you are spending so much time here and so much money here um, just kind of plays into that narrative and in elevating the state stature on the national level. Why are you investing so heavily here? Well, as a grassroots organization, what we're trying to do is push political power back to the people. What we've seen over the last 30 years is what we think of as a hostile corporate takeover of our democracy. So in particular in Arizona, when we're trying to engage people under the age of 35, American citizens, vote potential voters under the age of 35, that means make sure they're registered, talk to them about the issues, and try and encourage them to participate. That's the largest age cohort in the United States. They participate at the polls at half the rate of other Americans. And so if we have the biggest age group in the United States not really participating in our democracy, that is very far from a representative democracy. So what we're trying to do in that case is to make sure that we have a broader democracy, that it better reflects the people of the United States, that they show up and we go back to a functioning democracy where the people insist on their their being fairly represented and getting their rights respected. But you could have chosen 49 other states, so why Arizona? So to be fair, we chose 11 states. And so it wasn't just Arizona. In fact, we looked at the United States and we tend to be in the same states. This is the first time we've been in Arizona. We've been in most of the other 10 states for five and a half or six years. So actually what we were looking for was states where where they're very close. And in fact, in Arizona, this is a state which, as you point out, has been traditionally very Republican, very conservative, very red. And what we believe is this is a state where if young people, if 
underrepresented communities show up and have their votes counted like everybody else, then there's a chance that this will be a different state, that there will be different outcomes, and we're just trying to make sure that this democracy actually works and that the people of the United States and the people of Arizona get counted fairly. In the other states that you've been in before this cycle, had the attacks been as personal? Were they going after you and were they calling you, I'm going to put on my attack ad voice here, California billionaire Tom Steyer? <laughs> or, or is that a new thing here since you've been, uh, your profile has been raised? I mean, we're seeing it for the first time here. Are you used to the attacks? I think that Arizona is special in that. And I think the reason for that is we're part of a coalition to push for clean energy here. You have, an, you have a utility monopoly which has traditionally been able to not just sell uh, energy in a monopoly fashion, but has actually used its political money to control the regulators who are supposed to control them. So they are absolute, when I say hostile corporate takeover of our democracy, this is the perfect example of it. And when they look at a clean energy proposition, give, they don't really have a logical come back to it because it's cheaper, it creates good jobs for Arizonans, it, can, it, it creates healthier air for Arizonans. So rather than argue from the facts, they try and scare people about somebody and they chose me. So I, I think that the fact that they're trying to give me a hard time shows how weak their case is because they got nothing else to say. Let's talk a little bit about the clean energy measure. It would require half the energy to come from renewable sources by 2030. Right now, we have a standard. It is 15% by 2025. Did you choose Arizona because you didn't think the regulators here would ever get to that level that you're hoping for? Well, there are a bunch of reasons. I mean, let's start with the fact that Arizona is really, really sunny, that this is a state where the opportunities are vast. You have a great natural resource called the sun, which should create a lot of very, very inexpensive energy, not just in Arizona, but actually given that Arizona is hooked up to a regional grid, you could create here and sell across the grid. So it was a question of, first of all, we believe that Americans and Arizonans, whether they're Republicans or Democrats or independents, understand that clean energy is the future, understand it's better for them, and that there's some reason, which frankly I don't understand, why an electric utility wouldn't want to take advantage of a great of a great natural resource that would help the consumers, help employment, and help the whole state. So we, it was a question of there's a great opportunity here for some unknown reason the utility has chosen not to take advantage of it, and we believe the people have a right to have their voice be heard, and that's what a proposition is. It's direct democracy. The people get to make their own decision. And we feel in this case, why don't they deserve that right? We talked a few minutes ago and you, you said in here that uh, the utility is using scare tactics regarding that renewable energy standard. How confident are you that if that were to pass, that utility bills would not increase and become unmanageable for the average consumer here in Arizona? I'm very confident. This is not technology that doesn't exist around the country. This is technology that is being embraced everywhere else in the country. And in fact, Arizona has the huge advantage of being so sunny. I mean, you guys live in Arizona. It's hot. There's direct sunlight. So this is not that we're coming up with some uncertain technology. What we know is it's cheaper now, and that advantage will only increase 
because it's dependent on human ingenuity. And if you look at all the technologies like cell phones, like computers, like TVs, they only get cheaper and more efficient. And the exact same is true about, about solar costs. They only go down, the efficiency only goes up, so that there's an advantage now that's an advantage that not only won't go away, but will only increase. Ryan's obviously been covering um, the 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 court battle and the political drama surrounding um, this ballot initiative, um, and I am very entertained by it because I get to sit next to him and hear his reporting every day, which is wonderful. Um, what do you think the prospects are of the public supporting something like this? I assume that you and your team have done polling to gauge voter attitudes about what this might, uh, what, what support for this might look like. Look, we have, of course, we've tried to understand how Arizonans think about this. We're part of a big coalition across Arizona that includes um, environmental justice groups, it includes unions, it includes progressive businesses, as well as the environmental community. So we've had a chance to talk to an awful lot of Arizonans. And what I was saying before is, in the United States is very true in Arizona. People here know that clean energy is the future. They really do. The people here understand that there's something wrong when a utility is trying its hardest not to put it, not to utilize the cheapest possis, possible energy, when it's trying not to utilize the cleanest possible energy, and when they have an opportunity to create a lot of good paying jobs in a state and don't want to. It, the question is, who are you serving at that point? You're a public utility. You're supposed to be serving the public. Not that you've gotten to see their books or anything, but is there money to be made off clean energy? How big of a profit hit would this, I mean, I assume you would think APS is fighting this so hard because they don't want to lose their profits. Is there money to be made here? Could APS keep a healthy bottom line with the clean energy initiative? The way that utilities work is on a cost plus basis. So. Of course there's money to be made. In the utility model, they make an investment that, that gets, and then they get a return on that investment that is watched over by the local public utility commission. That's exactly what's going on here. That's exactly what's going on everywhere across the United States. The question, so absolutely this is something that is, fits within the public utility model. I think there's a, a real question and they're never gonna tell you whether this would be the most profitable thing for them. But that's not the question. The question is, what is the best answer for the people of Arizona? And it's supposed to be that the regulators are supposed to make sure, not that we have the fattest bottom line for a private corporation, but we have the most inexpensive, cleanest, best energy for the people of Arizona. That is what a public utility is supposed to provide. And if I hear a private company explaining that doesn't make me the most money, I have exactly zero sympathy for that. The point of a public utility is to serve the people of Arizona, period. So nuclear plants don't have direct carbon emissions. Do you think that the country needs to keep its nuclear plants open to meet its climate goals? The issue with nuclear plants and the, the reason that environmentalists have always worried about nuclear plants has to do with safety. People are worried about what to do with the waste and whether there's a chance of an accident, that something will happen where there's an, a nuclear accident, which has happened in different places around the world. 
not in the United States of America, but in Chernobyl and in Japan. So environmentalists have always worried about safety. And then there's been the issue of cost. Any new nuclear plant people promise will come in at a cheap price, and then it always comes out at a ridiculous, well, a very, very high and non-competitive price. The issue with the existing plants continues, there continues to be safety issues on the two scores, but there are no carbon emissions from nukes, and an existing plant doesn't have the cost issue either. So to a very large extent, what we're seeing in the United States is nuclear plants stay open long past what people originally thought because they're producing cheap energy for, for customers, and people feel relatively good about the safety issues. And that is what would happen here. The, the existing nuclear plant would stay open, that's what all the studies show, would continue to provide energy in Arizona and outside Arizona, and it would be part of the mix while the renewables moved up. In Arizona and kind of elsewhere, do you think putting so much, I guess, emphasis on impeaching the president is good for Democrats as kind of an institution as a whole? So let me talk for one second, Yvonne, about how we see impeachment. We see impeachment not from a political standpoint, but from a patriotism standpoint. We view talking about this as telling the most important truth in American politics and trying to protect the Constitution, the democracy, and the American people. And so as long as we believe those two things to be true, we view that as the most important thing we can do, tell the truth and protect the country. That's what we, if we, if we believe we're doing that, we believe that's incredibly important. We also believe that telling the truth and protecting the country are things that Americans can relate to and in fact, they're things that build trust and get people, if you're gonna tell the truth to Americans, that's really important. What we've seen in American politics is very low turnout. We've seen citizens who don't think it's worth it to get up from the couch and go to the polling place and vote. Every sing for the last 10 years, we've seen historically low turnout. So when someone says to me, the way to have higher turnout is to not tell the most important truth, not protect the country. My attitude is actually what we need is people who are willing to tell the truth. Americans are furious regardless of political party because they, they believe, and this is ascertainable, that there's been a corporate takeover of the democracy and they aren't being represented. So we believe in telling the truth and protecting the country, period. One quick question on that. Uh, Arizona has been a ground zero of sorts when it comes to dark money spending. We saw a lot of it, in, um, particularly in 2014. A lot of um, the groups tied to the Koch brothers, for example, um, were based out of Arizona. A lot of untruths were told during that cycle. and And their affiliates. Okay. I'd ha I, you know, it's been... Fine. Dog years, you know, clear. covering uh, politics here in Arizona. There really was not much of a consequence for these untruths or the misleading claims that um, were spread not just by them, but other folks. Will there be a consequence heading into November um, from from you? I mean, will will you counter these sorts of 
misleading claims or straight out falsehoods uh, through your own campaign material? Will you will you invest the resources that will be necessary to combat that that Look, side of campaigning? We we are. <laughs> I mean, that's a funny question. We are committed to the truth. We are committed to transparency. I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you guys. How, how was the podcast with the Koch brothers? Did that go well for you? <laughs> I mean, we're committed, you know, to, to the idea that not just does nothing that I advocate for help my bottom line, but that we'll make sure that it do, can't even be, it can't even appear to help my bottom line. So we're, we're transparent, we're not self-interested, and we're grassroots oriented, which means we're trying to push the power away from the corporations who've, ta- who've seized it back to the people where it belongs in a democracy. And so we are going to try very hard to tell the truth every time someone tells a fib and every time someone says something. Our feeling is it is important in a democracy that people get the truth. You guys are all reporters and journalists. The whole point about that is, how do we have a functioning democracy if people don't hear the truth? How can they make decisions? How can they make responsible decisions if journalists and reporters aren't allowed to do their duties and if American citizens and Arizonans can't hear the truth and make up their own minds? That's democracy. People who are lying are anti-democrats, period. They're against the idea that the people have a right to make smart decisions. And of course, we oppose that. That's the fundamental part of America is that it's driven by the people, individual humans making up their minds based on the facts fairly presented to them. That's the model. There's nothing else. You've spoken a lot in the past few minutes here about voter turnout being a major issue for you. Um, The investment for youth voter registration here in Arizona is $3 million, looking to get 15,000 voters under 35 registered. Is that enough people to sway a statewide election here? I mean, I'm thinking 15,000. We haven't had races that close at the statewide level in quite some time, if ever. So let, let, let me say this. I'm not familiar with the 15,000 person registration number. I believe that what we're going to try and do is dramatically change turnout for people under 35 years of age. We're going to be or already are on 23 campuses across Arizona, including 19 community colleges. That obviously includes three campuses of Arizona State University, just for instance, because that happens to be the largest university in the United States of America. So we're going to be talking to literally hundreds of thousands of people under the age of 35. And what we've seen in the past, Rachel, just so you know, is that we've seen turnout go up dramatically because young people are passionate, they are knowledgeable, they care, they're not lazy but they don't believe the system responds to them and they don't believe their vote necessarily matters. So our conversations are about convincing them about how important their participation is for this system to work and for their rights to be represented. So from what I've seen, most of the people working for the organization are under 35 as well. Is that- As I am, thank you. So, mm, I'm going to fact check on, on that one. Uh, no offense. But is that part of the strategy as well, to have younger people engaging younger audiences? So, uh, of, of course it is. I mean, one of the things about grassroots is you're really, grassroots, whether you're knocking on a door or setting up a table uh, on a college or um, calling people on the phone, is all about having a conversation between citizens. 
And we've found, and I think everybody else would agree with this, is a conversation with people who you trust and can relax with and identify with always works better. So in fact, on college campuses, I actually love to go to college campuses and harass the kids. Nothing more fun that I can think of. But I think overall, it, it, people relax much more with people that in, in their cohort, however they define cohort. So yeah, we have overwhelmingly people under the age of 30. So just one more uh, on that front. I mean, some of the things that the group has done, not here locally, but nationally, like petting zoos and pool parties, I think people look at those as fairly silly. Do they work? I mean, what's the strategy there? <laughs> we wouldn't do them if they didn't work. Look, one of the ones that I love to laugh at is puppies at the polls. It turns out that young people will stop to hang out with puppies, and if the puppies are at the polls, they will vote. So our attitude is we will do whatever it takes to encourage young Americans to show up and participate because their participation is unbelievably valuable. And if you want to have a democracy, you need the, the citizens to show up and participate. So we're going to encourage that in ways that seem funny, and we think they're funny too. But also in, it's deadly serious because we can't have our system work if, in fact, nobody shows up. And if you look across America and you look at, quote unquote, underrepresented communities, it's not just that they're underrepresented at the polls, their interests are underrepresented as well. Because people running for office are deadly serious about votes. Their job, their career, their future is dependent on votes. And so it is really important to encourage people across America to do that. because. That's how they're going to get their rights represented. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You will have to let all of us know about any potential trips in the future to New Hampshire <laughs> or Iowa. We hope we're on your press list. Thank you so much to our audience for listening to the Gaggle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. Tom Steyer. At Utility Reporter. At Rachel Langang. That's L-E-I-N-G-A-N-G. And Relis Writings, R-U-E-L-A-S Writings. Thanks to the politics team and also our producers, Lauren Aguirre and Carly Henry. Programming note, we are posting each episode on Monday, so you can start your week up to date on the state's top political news. Also, we see that a lot of you are binge listeners. We love that. Keep listening. This is important information so that you are informed leading up to the election. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you next week.